Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. Title winners, relegation survivors, 2-0 lead bottlers, and Marc Alonso has a bust up with the manager in a dressing room. Just another boring weekend at Chelsea Football Club. Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. Now, come on listeners, there are only three games left of this dreadful league campaign. Nearly there, we can do this. I believe in each and every one of you. More than I believe in our defence. Uh, guys, I believe in you both to deliver a stellar podcast episode. So how are you both doing? Yeah, I'm good. I can't quite believe it's Monday. Again, the weekends just seem to fly by the minute. But I'm, I'm all right. So uh, I'm in good spirits, even though Chelsea tried their best to ruin my weekend, as I normally do. Chris, <laughs> how are you doing? Yeah, well, this week started off better than uh, than last week finished. So all positive on, on my front, because like, the back end of my last week was awful. So I'm hoping for a better week. Ooh, wow. good. When Chris is positive, you know, it's going to be a good show. So yeah, Well, I don't think he'll be positive for long. I've read his tweets today, so... <laughs> yes, um, but anyway, right. As many listeners will have heard, seen, and probably looked at their devices and wished off, wanted to throw them out the window and switch off the five minutes from the drama of this Chelsea season. We have yet another storyline developing. Um, this time, apparently, it was at halftime in the game against Wolves that Marcus Alonso and Thomas Tucker had a bit of a heated disagreement in the dressing room, according to the CFC news page, which is Nathan Gissing. Uh, and other outlets were reporting it. Um, this has since been denied by the club, apparently, via the Telegraph. So, But we'll still discuss it, you know, we're still, it's out there. Uh, the original tweet, though, that was said was that Understand Marcus Alonso was subbed off at half-time against Wolves due to a bust-up between Tuckle. Sources tell me it was described as a heated exchange. Marcus's priority is to leave Chelsea this summer with Barcelona working on it. More details soon. Uh, I have my view on this. It's a bit basic. I mean, first of all, why do Barcelona want our entire back line? Uh, Alonso, Azpilicueta, Christensen, like, really? Fair enough. If that's what you want to do with your money. You don't have much of it yet, do you, Barca? So I'd be careful where you spend it. But look, I get the anger because this has happened before. You know, this happened with Lampard. And there was a bust up with him. I believe it ended up with him sitting on the bus during the West Brom game. Right right now, though, it kind of feels like, look, both of you are professionals. Falling outs do happen. We've got four games left of this season. And... I think for now, maybe bury the hatchet and just do your best work to just get on for four games and then you can discuss your long-term future after, Marcus, and go to Barca, whatever you wish to do, because we do not need more distractions. We need to finish the season strong, get top four, win an FA Cup. Oh, guys, thoughts on yet another chapter in the drama that is our season? It's just... It is just actually typical. It's just such a Chelsea thing that it's just one thing after another. Um, this isn't um, just a tuckle thing, busting up with players. This has happened all the way back to Mourinho's second season. Um, and I, you can say what you want about tuckle and this and that and tactics and that. 
this has been a reoccurring problem for a long, long time, and it's it is. I think it's a major reason why we sort of fail halfway through the season and become hopeless at times. Uh, I mean, it's not just Alonso that it's happened to. David Luiz has done it a couple of times. You know, Williams done it a couple of times. He's not, he's not the only player, um, but it does just feel that a lot of these egos um, just think they're a lot better than they actually are, um, and, and it, it does really kill us. Um, but th- this is not just a Chelsea thing either. It's it's modern day football. You look at look at someone like Man U, and you got your Pogba's and your Bruno Fernandes's, all world class players in their own rights. But when they don't fancy it, there there's no manager in the world that can that can possibly turn it around or, or do anything to help them on on the pitch. It's just it's frustrating. It's angry. Um, it's just it's just it, it makes me just. So annoyed that they get paid so much and play for an unbelievable club with unbelievable fans, um, and they just seem to just um, almost like don't care half the time, and it really is just frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I, I do agree. I mean, there's so many fans listening as well that would absolutely do anything to play for Chelsea, and yeah. they've probably put in more effort than what we've seen recently. But I mean, it, look, if we don't know how true this is. I mean, it's quite not. It's not quite going to be the bust up that happened ten years ago when uh, Delio Rossi at Fiorentina had a, a falling out with Adam Lajic, and uh, I think Lajic sort of responded sarcastically, applauded him as he was getting subbed, and uh, they had a full-on fist fight on the in the, the dugout. It was great to see. Um, Chris, how are you taking all this Alonso news in? Um. I mean, Alonso does seem like that sort, like you said, it's not the first time he's been involved with something like this. He seems like that sort of character, almost. Seems like one of them guys who doesn't like being criticised. And I think that's that's a problem when you play elite level sport because managers in football especially are going to call you out a lot and... You need to you need to handle that better, but I think it, it probably comes from a a deep rooted frustration in the way that we're playing. I think it's I think it was probably one of them things that was like a summit of nothing that was blown out of proportion because I imagine Tuck was frustrated with the way we're playing. I I imagine the players are frustrated as well with the way that they're playing individually, the way we're playing collectively. The fact that results aren't going our way, it just feels like a a combination of everything that is going on, sort of coming to a head. And, it, and like I said, it was probably it was probably something nothing that I'm I'm hoping they can both just sort of get over because I agree with you, Mikey. Well, Tucker can't afford to freeze him out. It, it's that simple because we haven't really got anyone else to play there. So. Um, it's it's something that they're both just going to have to get on with, and then long term, if that means Alonso leaves, I mean, you know, that means he leaves. But it's it's one of them, and it? it's I think it's just coming from a place where it doesn't seem like anyone's happy at the minute. I don't think a lot of the senior players are happy, and I think that is a problem. Now, I agree with I agree with what you said, Berth. Really, like this goes back a long way. This isn't a tuckle problem, but is he handling it the best either? I, I'm not sure because there's there's a lot of players who are <clears throat> clearly unhappy 
and that is a problem when you when you're in charge of a squad and you've got nine or ten players who would actively le- look to leave. That is a that is a massive problem. The thing is, mm. though, I feel like we, we've had that problem under Lampard. A lot of players wanted to leave. Yeah. And, yeah. Under Sarri, yeah. a lot of players wanted to leave. Under Mourinho, a lot of players wanted to leave. It's, it, I, I don't get what's what the problem is though, within the dressing room. Uh, I don't get how you solve it. And, and that's the real issue. How do you solve this? But what's weird is, when you look at it, like you just said, this can go all the way back to Mourinho's second spell. But this, this is a different dressing room now. There's not many players who was in that dressing room who are in this one now. Well, it it, just, it, this is a thing, yeah, you are right, you are right. Yeah, it just seems to carry on, regardless of who we sign and how the team changes. It just tends to be a mentality problem. And maybe it does come from changing the manager so often that there's sort of a, a mentality at the club between all the players, regardless of how long they've been there, that they will outlast the manager. I, I think that's actually a really good point to bring up. And it's kind of frustrating because a lot of it's just football in general. I feel now it's you know, hey, so what? I fell out with this manager. There'll be a new one in a couple of months. You know, if we're all down tools, lads, mm. they're not going to sack us all, are they? No, managers going. That's kind of how it's always worked. In we've seen that across almost every club in every sport in every game, mainly football, obviously. But you, so would you say that this hasn't ended Marcus Alonso's Chelsea? career do you think it he's got um, he's going to be played or not well we haven't got anyone i'd rather him than malan sarah left back yeah i think that's it's, i think his career is safe because of that um yeah oh yeah if we had um well if you had ben Sherwood, he'd be nowhere near the team let's be honest but um if, I, I don't think he'll play for chelsea again after this season i think mm. uh, I, I think in that sense that his career probably is over at chelsea uh, i don't think this alleged argument would have changed that. I think he was probably going to go anyway, um, by the sounds of it. So I just think this might have been the, the final nail in the coffin for him. Yeah, ne- next year is going to be such a big rebuild year that I am reducing my expectations of a title challenge and, and a, a treble because you don't just bring in three, probably not four, defenders because <laughs> we're going to probably need them. Uh, and then have a makeshift. Uh, who knows? We might just absolutely. I never expected the Premier League title that we did under Antonio Conte in the first season. I, I mean, I really that just blew my mind how we did that. You never know with this club. Um, look, I'll kick off this the proper part of the pod with two huge pieces of positive news. Yes, positive news. Um, congratulations to Emma Hayes and her team who won their third league title in a row. Uh, I mean, that is, they've won five titles so far. Three in a row is just domination. I mean, a 4-2 win over Manchester United. The first half of, you know, I think it was fair to say they were they were a poor side. But maybe that pressure showing, because obviously how important the game was, it was a must win. Uh, but once the equaliser went in, you, you could sort of see the belief get into the team. And the subs at halftime changed the tide 100%. And probably the halftime team talk as well. You know, because Chelsea came out totally different team. Sam Kerr, what more can we say about this legend of the game and of Chelsea? I mean, big game player. Two unreal goals, 2-1 down to winning 4-2. Title winners, truly deserved. Guys, your thoughts on that achievement, the season as a whole, and if I'm sure you've seen them, the Sam Kerr goals. Yeah, I mean, Sam Kerr is a fantastic player. Um, and to be honest, the men's team could do with a player like her. Um, 
clinical, ruthless, um, and just the whole team is just um, just an incredible team, an incredible unit, um, and just they really are showing the, the men's team up. Um, Emma Hayes, I think, deserves a lot of credit. I think she's one of the best managers Chelsea as a whole has seen. Mm. Um, and just that they really are uh, just doing such an incredible job. And I don't see them stopping anytime soon. I don't see their success stopping anytime soon. So hopefully they can carry on winning more trophies and um, just just keep going and going. Because there's some incredible players in that team. They are really are special. And, and I love Emma He's. I don't think... I don't know why anyone can hate Emma Reyes because she's such an intelligent um, manager, um, incredible tactician. I, I do just think she's how she handles herself on and off the pitch is uh, is she's a real true role model. Yeah. Oh, Chris, what what were your feelings after that game? The Sam Kerr goals are incredible, and I think uh, Kerr deserves a lot of credit and Emma Hayes really because she did struggle when they first signed her. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, she did. People was calling her a flop, and because she was a big marquee signing, really, when she for for the WSL, like so. Emma Hayes stuck by her and almost adapted to to get more from her, and Sam Kerr did the same. She she stuck with it, and I, I think I'm pretty sure she finished as the top scorer this season in the league. Scored two unbelievable volleys to to win the league on the final day, so. That team is unreal, though. That that Chelsea women's team, the the mentality, the attitude, the quality, the way Emma Hayes sets them up to play is good to watch. And I do think she is an incredible manager, unbelievable. And I think she could do things in the men's game if we ever get to a point where, like that happens, female managers start entering the men's game. I mean that second volley. Ugh. I mean, it's yeah, the keeper's off the line, but it's just that chest down volley. It's just such a beautifully orchestrated goal. It really, really, really is. And hopefully they're going to do the double and win that FA Cup after the men's game on the Saturday. Yeah, it's on the Sunday, the women's FA Cup finals. Can't have two games at Wembley on the same day. They never do that. Well, they probably have, haven't they, at some point. But anyway, um, Obviously, the women weren't the only side in action on Sunday. The under-23 side took on Spurs in a game that, well, need to win to stay up. And I know especially as last year we were runners-up and the year before was a title campaign. But we were in the position we were in. A late winner from Lewis Hall means the Blues survive and relegate arch-rivals leads in the process. I think it was truly key to keep ourselves in the top division. And the lads, they came up clutch in the big moment. Now, they have struggled, mainly due to players leaving on permanent deals. Uh, Liveramento, you know, there's many more names. And you've obviously got players leaving on loan, you know. And you could argue that the Brexit rules post-Brexit have taken their toll as well about how signings work as well. But, hey, survival, uh, we don't want to be in that position next season. And here is to that next season. But any any guys from the 21-22 class you're keeping an eye on, boys? Lewis Hall looks a fantastic player. I've um, mm. been really impressed with him this season. Um, I think it will be interesting to see if he gets a chance that season. I, th- I think he'd be the one that I'd, I'd give a chance to, especially in like, the, the Carabao Cup games and FA Cup games. I think he, he deserves even a couple of starts. I, I'd like to see that um, if the opportunity arises. But 
they're all talented and I think they're all better than where they finished this season to be honest I don't, I don't think that is a fair reflection on their talent it's just one of them where circumstances custom um but look that the academy is a very important part of our team now mm. um, and, and hopefully next season they can um finish our up in the table and uh kick on and, and really sort of show how good they really can be I mean, I'm sure Chris noticed. I, I think that Trevor Chalaber they had in defence, he could be special. <laughs> I love how they can do that. They had Malong Sar as well. And I just love how they can go, we'll have, we'll have them, we'll have them. They're like, wait a minute, they're a Premier League level player. They're, they're, they're going to be in the under-23 team. That's how important this game was. Uh, yeah. Any Anyone you got your eye on, Chris? No, I agree with Berth. I think Lewis Hall. I think he, he, he looks like someone who might be ready for a loan. Um, to a championship team I think would be good for him uh he seems like seems physically one of the one of the players in that team who would be ready for that sort of step up mm. so I think that's what you have to look at like all of the boys in that team are going to be technically talented but a lot of clubs they wait for that physical side of them to develop before looking at those sort of loans and Lewis Hall does look like a sort who has developed physically enough now to maybe be looking at a loan to championship and if not another year at the under 23s with like Berth said a few Carabao Cup games and that thrown in with, with the first team would be good for him but I would like to see him go on loan to the championship and just see what he could do at sort of senior level yeah no I, I totally agree I, I mean one of my highlights of the whole under 23 campaign is that 39 year old Petacek was on the list for their goalkeepers <laughs> I just love that. I just love the fact they were like, yeah, uh, under 23, uh, check, yeah, yeah, he'll do. He didn't play, but that's, that's not really the point. Uh, he was still on the list. So, yeah. but yeah, hopefully next season, new crop of talent, and we'll see how they do. Uh, right, we've got to go up the next level, the proper, the men's team, the senior side. Hey, look, we invited Wolves to the bridge. The game ended 2-2. We were 2-0 up. Lukaku had scored both. But um, hold on, hold on. Listen to this. Guys, I've, I've never been so frustrated watching a game because this side beat Juventus and Real Madrid with top-tier performances and yet lost to Arsenal, drew to United, and now this. Now, listeners, you may be thinking, I've heard that before, and you're right, I said this after the Everton game. Why the hell am I saying it again to another league game, Berth? Because um, it's just what Chelsea do, oh. and, and and it's what they've done for years and years. And this is my point. This is not a Tuchel thing. This has been a a Lampard thing. It's been a Sarri thing. It's been a Conte thing. It's been a Mourinho thing. Mm. Different players, different managers, same mentality. It seems you go into games playing with this lack of intensity, um, this sort of lethargic passing, this negative play. Um, no sort of zip to our game uh, and we just go into games expecting to win that is not like Chelsea if you look at Chelsea and Mourinho in his first season or Ancelotti in his first season you won't you won't see Drogba's and your Lampard's and your Terry's playing with this much sort of lack of intensity it, it just wouldn't happen there's no real no one can grab missing Eden Hazard missing players like that missing your Terry's there's no leaders anymore in this team unfortunately um and and the players that are experienced in this team um, are unfortunately letting us down. And Aspetaqueta, I, I think, is an incredible player and has been an incredible player for us. He has lost it now. I think I think he has just lost it now. He I, I think he had a really poor game against Wolves. 
Um, Alonso, again, he can either be an 8 out of 10 or he can be a 2 out of 10, and he, he wasn't great. Um, and then you've got players like Rudiger, who can be a beast, but he looks like he's just already in Madrid now. Um, I don't think Jorginho has played great this season. Players like Kovacic can be really good one week, but when he's got the wrong partner next to him, he can be really erratic and ill-disciplined. Uh, Loftus-Cheek, again, showing glimpses, but I don't think he can hold the middle of a park. Our attackers, uh, for the large part, one-dimensional, um, don't get enough numbers. And yet, I get I get what people will say, oh, Tuckles this, Tuckles that. I think the players need to do more as well. And I know the manager has to get more out of the players, but... <laughs> You know, he's he's proven that he's a very good manager, a world class manager. But the players just seemingly think they can coast by games and just win games easily, and it's just it's just becoming a real, real problem. And we do, if we don't get top four, <clears throat> it's games like this Wolves game, it's games like the Everton game that we lost, um, games against Brighton, games against Brentford. These games we've got into thinking, oh, which Chelsea were better than these, mm. when <clears throat> actually. We've just bottled it, and that's all it comes down to. We've just absolutely bottled it. Look, I'm glad uh, Chris will put his four thoughts forward in a second. Now, because you've said that, I've got to bring mine in. Look, I've calmed down since the game ended. It, I'm, I very rarely get too annoyed by a game. It's one of them things that some fans just think, how do you not get wound up by a game? I know, but this one did annoy me because look, I've had a nap. I feel refreshed, but... Look, we take the mick out of our rivals. We took the mick out of City earlier last week. We do it with Spurs and Arsenal all the time, and with fair reason. But we were the same against Wolves. We bottled it. We we were bottled. I mean, 11 minutes to go, you tune it up. We were all happy Lukaku scored, which was amazing. He was playing really well, to be fair to him. And we bottled a 2-0 lead. We've become, right, we've become Arsenal. Um, in the last stage of the Wenger era. Interesting you say that. That is, I actually have that in my notes later. But look, Wolves before before the game had scored 33 goals all season. <clears throat> Only Burnley, Watford, and Norwich have scored less. And looking at our defence, you couldn't say to me. I mean, I know injuries have really hit it, but you couldn't say to me that was a title challenge inside. I mean, I watched Rudiger in the last two games look like a man who's checked out. I do feel he has checked out. And that's such a shame because, if honestly, if he delivers performances like that for the next four games of our season, Madrid could be questioning whether to do a U-turn on the deal because he just it just wasn't the Rudiger that we know and love. It was just, I, it was, I was so shocked. I was absolutely shocked because we were built on that defence. <coughs> and I don't know. I do not know what has happened. If it, if it genuinely is the end of the season and they've got their minds in Spain. With the next club, uh, Chris, what what are your what are your thoughts on on that game? That's, that's the only way I can open it up. Well, I touched on something that Berth brought up that the mentality of these players. I think you know it, it's almost a consequence because you are right. We've changed a lot of players over the years, and the same problems have seemed to follow the squad regardless of the amount of changes that we've made. The the fact that in the league campaigns we have so many games against lesser teams that we drop points in. When teams like City and Liverpool, for example, don't. And 
I actually think this might be a consequence of putting so much emphasis on winning a trophy every year. I know that sound mm. that might sound stupid, but we are we are an incredible cup team. Yeah. You look at the you look at the performance against Real Madrid. You look at the performance in the Carabao Cup final. I'm I'm fully expecting us to play really well in the FA Cup final. We are a, a team that can be really good in a cup game, but then when it comes to a league, as soon as we can't win the league, it's like the players think, well, that doesn't matter anymore. We're not going to get a trophy for that, so don't worry about those games. Let's just, and I think that. That is that has been the mentality of the club under Abramovich, and that's why we've won so many trophies. But as a consequence of putting so much emphasis on winning a trophy every year, it's almost like we sacrifice the league as soon as we can't win it. And I think, I think Tuckle's partly brought into that as well. I think the amount of times he rotates for Premier League games when we've got a cup game the following game, and you can see that. He's prioritising the cup game over the Premier League game, and that 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 sort of mentality is the one that I think we've got to get out of this squad. I think the new owners, we've got to start building a, a philosophy around the club of a way of playing first, and I think that's what, especially City, Liverpool have been built completely around Jurgen Klopp, really. But if you look at City, people say they're built around Pep, but they're not because they. The two managers before Guardiola, they had a similar playing style to what Pep does. The club is built around playing a certain way. And then they buy players to match that and they get managers who match that way of playing as well. It's what Barca do, it's what Ajax do, Dortmund, Bayern. They all do the same thing. They get managers that match the philosophy of the club. And I think that's the biggest thing that the new owners have got to do. We've got to get away from this. If we win a trophy, then it's been a good season. But it's mm. not always the case because, you know, if we finish fifth this season and win the FA Cup, I'd still say it's been a poor season because, yeah, the FA Cup's great, but we finished, we could finish fifth. I don't think we will. And I think the saving grace in that has, is the fact that Arsenal and Tottenham have got to play each other. I think if Arsenal and Tottenham was playing other teams in those games and not each other, I do think we would finish fifth because I, I don't see us getting the points that we need with the way that we're playing at the minute. But I just think our mentality will be if we win the FA Cup and finish fifth, we've had a good season because we've won another trophy and that's mm. all you'll see. But I just mm. don't think that should be the mentality going forward. You've got to build sustained success through a way of playing and league position and then trophies follow that anyway. Yeah, I, I, I do yeah. see your point. I do. And I'm sure some listeners will be screaming, is it because half of our defence has decided to check out because they've already got moves ahead? Yeah, it's it's potential. It is potentially there. I mean, let's let's be honest. When you've already got your deal signed, do you really want? It's a, it's about professionalism, yes, but it doesn't always work that way, does it? Um, I think. Look at the end. You know, with Wolves, it it should have been flagged as ours that throw. I think it was a corner, or I think it was, but that's been picky. And we should be still be able to defend that lead with seconds remaining, and we didn't. I think the frustrating negative from the game was Edouard Mendy. You know, he's he's not been himself in recent weeks. And can either of you explain what he's doing when Conor Cody equalises? Because he's looking at the ball, and it seems, in my humble opinion, that he, he couldn't decide whether to claim the cross or position himself ready for the save. And he did neither. It was like, oh, no. 
Um, I, I, I think he's just a very much a, a confidence player, and I, I think for large parts of these this season, he has very much not had much confidence at all. Mm. If that makes sense, and I just think we're coming for crosses um, and like collecting the ball and, and corners and set pieces. I think if you're a keeper, um, I, I think if you're confident and in good form, you collect the ball all day long. If you're not, you're hesitant. And when you hesitate as a keeper, that split second can cost you and it cost us. And, and that's a problem. And Mendy's done that a few times this season. Um, I, I, I nothing, take nothing away from him. I think he's been fantastic. And he has made a few mistakes, but I still think he's an incredible keeper. But it's um, he is very much a... He'll, he'll play well if he's confident. Unfortunately, the minute he just doesn't look his confident self. Um, and, and that is that is a slight problem for us because he'll make mistakes like this. Um, so he needs to get his head straight again and, and make a few decent saves or a few good passes just to build his confidence back up. And then hopefully he won't. He'll cut those mistakes out. But it's um, it, it's an awkward one. But I do think a confident Edward Mendy uh, collects that ball. What, what what have you felt on his recent performances, Chris? Well, to be honest, I, the the thing I, I do think about Mendy is maybe he what maybe he isn't the world class keeper that he that we thought he was because of the the way he was playing at the back end of last season. Because the back end of last season, there's no doubt he was one of the best keepers in the world. But he hasn't sustained it, and that's what great players do. World-class players sustain it for a long period of time. And this season, he's he's been a very good goalkeeper still. I I do think he's still been a, an upgrade on Kepa, and he he still had games where he's done really well. Brentford away being the the standout, I would say. He's been a very good goalkeeper this year. But is he? long-term that elite level goalkeeper because I agree with what Burr said I think he is obviously a confidence player but again world-class players aren't confidence players they they continue to do their job regardless and if you look at that cross the minute I seen the goal because I didn't see the game live I watched the highlights um the minute I seen the goal I thought why is my keeper not coming for that he's six yards out and I think he was caught out positionally in the first place. I think he was too close to his near post, considering where the ball was from the crossing position. He was never going to get beat at that near post. So I don't know what he was so close to it for anyway. He should have already been preparing for the cross, and he wasn't. Um, I just think someone like, like I know we all we all took a dislike to him because of the way he left, but you look at someone like Courtois, for example, he would have claimed that regardless of what sort of game he was having, that would have been bread and butter. And maybe mm. maybe Mendy is the sort of keeper where he does the basics really well when he's confident, but when he isn't, has he still got those fundamentals drilled in enough to come and claim crosses or make that, that save to win you a game? Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. Maybe he's just having a, a, a blip. I, I think it's hard for goalkeepers when the defence is so open. I think we've seen that with Kepa. Kepa this year, when defence was playing well, looked like a really good goalkeeper again. But if mm. you put Kepa in now, he'd look like Kepa again because the team's not not playing well enough. So it's yeah. a really difficult position to judge. I just think 
he should have he should have come for the cross. I think it's that simple. But I wouldn't put the blame for that goal on Mendy, to be honest. That's that's fair fair enough. Um, a positive. We're gonna we're gonna bring that positive. Uh, Lukaku two goals. He took a penalty. He took a penalty. A forward took a penalty for us. Uh, he didn't hop, skip, jump. Um, the thing <laughs> he, he scored. A pe- I was so happy to see a, a forward grab that ball and go. I'll take this. I was like, yes, finally. Uh, thing was, his second goal, the ball was also, it was passed lovely by Pulisic, you know, especially for the run that Lukaku was making. Uh, and he puts the ball into the net, like, you know, when we actually do that, he does score. You know, we don't do it often enough, and it doesn't change, obviously. I know some people go, well, his effort levels from him haven't been great recently. Okay, fair enough, fair point. But he's our top scorer this season. 14 goals, Kai's on 13, Mount's on 12. How how have you assessed Lukaku in that game? Because when we were two and up, I, I just thought this is an over, this is the narrative will be Lukaku is back. We've had a great game. We've worked out how to play with him in the team. Yeah, I mean, um, it was one of them. I always thought as soon as Trinkau scored, I knew we was going to draw that game. Um, but I think Lukaku, I think that second goal especially is a fantastic finish considering he's not really scored that many goals recently. Um, the movement is fantastic. He looked like he's um, back to his like, usual bullish self. Um, and when he gets going, he's so hard to stop. Um, and it, the, the penalty, for some players, when they step up and take a penalty, you, you think he's going to score this every day. Like when Ronaldo steps up to take a penalty, I know he's missed a few season, but normally when he te- steps up, you think, goal. When Lukaku steps up to take that penalty, you, you just thought, goal. You're, you're never in doubt. And that is what I like about Lukaku. He just back himself in front of the goal. Um, and you look at Havertz, Werner, Pulisic, they lack that conviction that a natural goal scorer has. I think Lukaku has that conviction. He has that confidence in himself to, to be ruthless in front of the goal. Yes, I know he's missed a few chances and you can put that down to rustiness and, and injuries and stuff like that. I get that, but... He's a natural finisher. I don't care how he slice it. You can talk about his effort and that. He's a natural finisher. That is what we need in this club. And the Wolves game proved that when he's fit and when he's firing and when you give him the service, he has the confidence and the ability to back himself. And he did that perfectly. Ah, I mean, Chris, I've given you the perfect opportunity to get on a soapbox and, you know, portray your opinion on Lukaku's performance because it's a positive one. Go on, go for it. Well, just touching on what Berth said, I think there's been times this season where people have said about Lukaku's lost his confidence. But if you actually look at the chances that he's had, I don't think it's been for a lack of confidence. I think the chances that he missed in those few games, you know, the Real Madrid headers and things like that, I think that was more down to rustiness. And I said that at the time. He's not someone who will lose confidence. Because he he genuinely believes, and I think rightly so, that he is a world-class centre-forward. Now, a lot of people have used that this year to beat him with, saying that he's got an ego. But I'm sorry, but if you want want a world-class number nine, they're going to have an ego. There's there's not a single world-class striker ever who didn't have an ego. Mm, They have to to perform at the level they do. If they didn't have that confidence, then they wouldn't get the goals that they do. And he has took chances this year 
with a level of confidence that no, no other player in our team would. Because he's a natural finisher, you look at the Carabao Cup final, he'd been out the team for God knows how long. People said, oh, he's, he's lost his confidence. He comes out in that game. He had one chance in that game. It was, yeah, the ridiculous offside. But if you look at the confidence that he took that chance with, he didn't, he didn't snatch at it. He didn't rush it. He took his time. He stepped inside the defender. He fired it in. His second goal against Wolves. He he is. We won't we won't sign a, a better striker than him. Now people can say you can sign someone who suits the system better, and maybe maybe that is the case. We could sign someone who suits the system better, but they won't be as good as him. You know, some of the names people have been throwing around who suit the system better aren't as good as Lukaku, and that is a fact. People this year have really jumped on a bandwagon that he's all of a sudden a bad player, and he isn't. He isn't a bad player at all. He's one of the best finishers in world football and he will continue to be, whether that be with us or whether wherever he goes next. He will score goals because that's what he does. And when you play him properly and when you give him penalties, like we should do with all forwards, and no, that isn't some, a bandwagon I'm jumping on because you could go back probably to August and I brought that up about he should be taking penalties when Jorginho was taking them. Because mm-hmm. I don't think, does he score the second goal without scoring the penalty? Maybe, because I think he's, he, he is that good a finisher. But he, he took it with a level of confidence that you get from scoring a goal. He'd already got the goal. So there's none of that snatching at chances that we see from other forwards and players who are on droughts because you've got a goal already. And that's how important penalties are. So... I, I hope that he stays in the team between now and the end of the season because I think it's make or break and I don't think Tuckle's got anything to lose. I think stick him in the team for the next four games and say to him, you're in the team, prove that you can play here. And if he goes and he he plays like he did against Wolves, we've got a genuinely world-class centre-forward who could quite easily get us the points we need for Champions League and win us an FA Cup. And if he doesn't, if it doesn't work out that way, then you know that the summer, it's definitely time to part ways. It hasn't worked out. He can go on to pastures new and play for someone who can get the best out of him. And Tucker can bring someone in who suits his system better if that's the avenue we're going down. But I think this is the moment where we have to find out whether Lukaku at Chelsea can work. I think that's fair. Um, Right. My final view is it's not just on this game. It's a general one, and Berth sort of teased it without even realising earlier. Um, and I do want feedback. Of course I do. Uh, Chelsea just, they, it, to me, Chelsea in general haven't been right in the Premier League since we last won the title. And I, I, I'd love to be convinced differently, but I'll explain why. When was the last time we even finished in the top four without an issue, without hassle? Because it feels like we were we've been watching Arsenal over the years and a bit like the Wenger thing like Berth said where they looked promising they talked in the same bracket of the title contenders and then December comes the fight for the top four has begun uh the title's way off in the distance and I just look across the squad and it feels like we could we we could not win any more matches this season I hope that's going to not be the case I think that's just a bit of negativity after you know 2-0 lead gone etc but when we have like Christensen and Rudiger, look, at, they're pretty much gone. 
You've got Alonso. Well, we know that he looks like he could be heading for the door. Aspilicueta similar. That's that's not a lot of motivation there either. I, I don't know what you think on this. No, I totally agree. I think um, we are very much Arsenal from about 2007, eight onwards. Um, I just feel that at the minute, it just seems like this Chelsea team is very easy to play against. I talk about intensity. We play with hardly any half the time, only in cup games, which is what Chris pretty much mentioned earlier. Um, and when, you, when you've got players that are sort of on the brink of going, they're gonna not going to play with as much intensity. Like, you know, Rudiger, he isn't going to get injured before he goes to Real Madrid. Mm. Same with Christensen, he isn't going to want to get injured or, you know, do anything to sort of stop him from um, going to Barcelona. So, you, you, you can kind of see what their mindset is. It's not right because they're professionals and they should play for the badge, play for the team they're playing for. But you can see why they're down, down in tools and, and that's a problem. And when you've got players that have that mentality, these results are going to happen, that they are just going to happen. Um, and then you add that into the mix of our forwards who aren't clinical enough, um, our midfielders who are injury-prone in Kante and Kovacic had a few injuries and Georgina has not been in the best of form. Um, it's it's a it's a bad mix and you're not going to get results with that, unfortunately. And, you know, this sort of thing happened to Arsenal all the time back in the day that they'd have problems and off the pitch, on the pitch. Um, and it just completely curtailed their season and it just seemingly it happens to Chelsea now every season. So, until this changes, until this mentality changes, we will just be like Arsenal from from back in the day. Come on, Chris, close us out. Maybe some positive vibes if you if you can think. Uh, you should have finished with birth if you wanted positive. <laughs> <laughs> well, was uh, I really that positive then? I don't, I don't no, know. no, but after after. Oh, season, with that, we've come to the seven. end of another episode. <laughs> go go for it. Go on. I think I said on the the episode we did about the ownership, I think the one thing I said that I was worried about was becoming Arsenal and Tottenham uh, and celebrating mediocre success. And I do think we have started on that road already. I think, you know, I get into a lot of dialogue with other Chelsea fans on Twitter about who seem to be celebrating fourth like it's an achievement. Whether we get fourth or we don't get fourth, if we get fourth on the final day with a last-minute winner, I still wouldn't celebrate it because it's not an achievement. It's not an achievement I want to celebrate. You know, Arsenal, during the, those last few Wenger years, they was having open-top buses for finishing fourth and massive dressing room selfies on Instagram. for finishing. they really have open-top buses? No. But Wait a minute, I was Wenger... just going to say something. I can imagine it. They were celebrating that, like winning the title, finishing fourth, because they claimed it was an achievement. And I think as soon as you instill that mentality, you're putting in a loser's mentality. Whether we can compete with Man City and Liverpool at the minute is questionable. I don't think personally we can. Well, City have bought the title for the next five years if they get half. But at the same time... Your aim should still be, and, and our aim as a football club should still be to win the league. And if we yeah. don't win them and we finish fourth, you, you don't celebrate it because you're just celebrating mediocrity. And I think this comes with the cups again. You look at Arsenal. Arsenal are the perfect example for you to use on, on us at the minute. 
every year they won an FA Cup under Wenger. That it was a it was a fantastic season, but it wasn't. Mm. You finished fifth and won an FA Cup, great. And then, you know, they the season they finished eighth under Mikel Arteta and won the FA Cup. Arsenal fans was claiming it was their best season post Wenger, and that's why they ain't going to win the league at any time soon because that mentality is poor, and that's the mentality I don't want. Because that that hasn't been our mentality since Abramovich took over. It's been, and that's why you sack so many managers because it's aim for the best. And if you don't get the best, you move on and find someone who can. I understand all the back in Tuckle campaign, and I I, I I get that because I think the fans, some of the fans anyway, are just fed up of changing managers all the time. I don't think there's anyone we could go and get who would be better than Tuckle. I think that helps as well. But if he, if he's not the right man, then you can't you can't keep backing him. Everyone seems to think that backing the manager is automatic success just because it's happened at Liverpool and City. But City have got Pep Guardiola, who when they got him was the best manager in the world anyway. So of course it was going to work. Of course they backed him. He had a poor first season, but they was going to back him because he's got the credentials. He'd had. His whole CV backed him up that it was going to work eventually. Liverpool backed Klopp and it worked. But Man United backed Solskjaer and it didn't. It, it's not always the case of back a manager and it work, you know you go on to great things. It's not always the case. And I think that is something we've got to guard against because Arsenal stuck with Wenger for too long and let it peter out to this mentality of finishing fourth good enough. Uh, United did it with Solskjaer. Arsenal will probably do it now with Arteta. He's had a good season. He might finish above us. And then next year, if they're eighth, it'll be, oh, it's a transition and we'll back him still. And we can't become that club. That's what I honestly hope we guard against because celebrating finishing fourth, personally, I think would be an embarrassment for this club. I, th- I think this week, and it's a, it's, it, I'm just looking at the table, I, d- I think we'll beat Leeds. And that puts us at 70. And that, that you could say it's not safe, but I think Arsenal beat Spurs. I, I just think Arsenal beat Spurs. And that means that Spurs can only get a maximum of six points from the last two games, which is not enough. It's, it's not enough for them. They wouldn't be able to overhaul us. Plus, I we have th- a good goal difference. Go on. I think if we beat Leeds, we'll, we'll get top four. I think that's, I think that's a given. Uh, it, it were our last three games, is it Leeds, Watford and Leicester? Yeah. I think yeah. on paper, I think you probably couldn't have asked for a better three last games. Yeah, to be fair, when I looked at the fixtures when they were released, all the way back last year, uh, oh man, naivety. Um, I was thinking, that's a nice little title celebration running. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how things have changed. Um, well, we're going to be back to review that game Friday. Hopefully, positive. Hopefully, we've won and Arsenal have done us a favour and beat Spurs. So, with that, we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram if you don't already follow us. Uh, we'll, we'll be back for that weekly catch of course, with you on Friday evening. So, fingers crossed that the boys in blue can uh, get the job done. Uh, Till then, that is us signing off. <laughs>